0: Is it um, safe to say that the Tennessee Volunteers are national champions? Is that okay to say? I know that everybody in the nation was open, rooting for Alabama to go down. All right. What is going on here? All right, here we go. Um, so I want to start off by being, uh, you can go ahead and turn up the lights a little bit if you'd like to. Um, I want to start off by um, being very honest and vulnerable for a minute. Um, not that I'm never those things, but I just want to be extra vulnerable um, this morning. And, and, and it's in this is that oftentimes I have so much stuff going on through my my brain um, uh, that I often don't hear hear when people are speaking to me. All right, so you hear Brittany laugh, right? Um, like. All the times I have so much going on that I don't realize that somebody is talking to me. And sometimes I, sometimes I, hear, so, uh, I, hear, sometimes I hear what somebody's saying, and I'll say what, and then immediately answer their question. Um, and Brittany, it drives Brittany crazy when I do that, okay? Um, uh, she's like, why do you even say what if you know the answer? It's just because I'm processing, processing so much in my brain that I just, it's like a brain can't catch up. You know, and, um, but oftentimes it happens with my kids too. They'll be talking to me, like even Zane sometimes will go, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying, just to see if, uh, can you get my attention or a lyrical, say something to the fact of, the fact, the fact of, um, do you even hear me? And then I know that they're speaking to me, right? Um, and it's not, I'm not ignoring them, it's just I I have so much going on up here that I, I get distracted sometimes in life and, um, but one of the thoughts about God that absolutely amazes me is this idea. Actually, our friend John writes about it in one of his later letters to us in First John 5.14. He says, this is what he says. He says, since we have this confidence, we can also have great boldness before him. Some translations say boldness before the throne. For, for if we ask anything agreeable to his will, he will hear us. That he will hear us. And, and our friend Peter would write to us this in 1 Peter. He would say this, The eyes of the Lord watch all over those who, are do, who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. Like that just blows my mind. And then our Old Testament friend, Old Testament brother Isaiah in Isaiah 59, he would say this, Truly Yahweh's arm is not too powerless to save, nor his ear too deaf to hear. The idea, the idea that we serve a God who hears us when we pray, that listens to us when we speak. Like our God hears us when we pray, like actually listens to us. Like he doesn't have to, I mean he's God. He doesn't have to listen to it, but he enjoys listening to his children pray to him. And this means that he heard that prayer you prayed the other day. And our friend, our friend Paul, in Romans 8, he, he tells us that he's going to work all those things out for our good. In Romans 8, he says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So that very thing you prayed, he is working out for good for you. And there's only two prerequisites there, right? There are two qualifiers there. The, prom- the promise is for those who love him and those who are called according to his plan. And if you're here and you're a believer this morning and you love God and you're, you are called according to his plan, he is working that prayer out for your good. And that's something to celebrate this morning. The very thing you pray for, he's working out. It may not look the way you want it to, right? But it's always for your good on how it works. But there's something else that kind of, that kind of amazes me a little bit. Um as I was reading this, there's something else that amazes me about God. Not only does Christ hear your prayers, but did you know he prays for you? Like he prays for you. See, our friend Paul also tells us in Romans eight thirty four. he says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is, the, who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? who is interceding for us. There's, I'm gonna, I brought my uh, actual physical Bible here because I want to I read this to you out of this translation. like I love the way this translation says it. I mean, let me get to it right here real quick. It would probably have been good if I like, marked it before I came up here and you wouldn't have to sit there and wait on me. But in the Passion Translation, it says it like this, who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Like I, I, I love the fact that right now, Jesus is interceding on your and my behalf to the Father. He is literally fighting for us. He is our defense, so I thought it would be cool if we, Now we're getting to the end of our study through the book of John, we're in chapter 17 today, and we're actually going to read through chapter 18, if y'all are okay with that, y'all good, y'all good with that? I mean, I got the microphone, so it doesn't really matter, you know what I'm saying? Um, but in chapter 17, we, we have this picture of um, where Jesus is about, he's on his way to pass through the Kidron Valley, right? Um, he's on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. All right where he prays, and it's the it's the night that he gets arrested. Um, let me just let me just. You know, y'all want to hear the prayer that Jesus prayed for you? Here he goes. Here he goes. John seventeen one, and this is what Jesus prayed as he looked up into heaven. Father, the time has come. Unveil the glorious splendor of your Son, so that I will I will magnify your glory. You have already given me authority over all people so that I may give the gift of eternal life to all those that, that, uh, that you have given to me. So first things first, Christ always gives glory to the Father. Always. He always gives glory to the Father. This, if this journey has shown us anything through the book of John, Jesus has always been about God the Father's glory. Whatever he does, he brings glory to the Father and not us. He tells us it's not about our glory, but for his. So we can say it like this. Now we take a deep breath. The world is not about you. Period. The world is not about you. The world is not about you. Christ in his prayer will state here in a little bit that we would, we would pray that we would live with the same passion that he does. And that is, as we glorify the Son, we glorify the Father. All right? And here's the second thing, is that Christ prays for our eternity. Like, He prayed for your salvation. He prayed for your eternity. Like, this, this will make more sense here in a second, but this prayer it's this prayer for how we walk today. Right? That, what well, we'll see here in a second, that eternity isn't just a place, it's who, it's it's a person It's found in who we are. And it begs us to ask this question, are you living with eternity in mind? Is how are you living today? How you live tomorrow? How you live on Tuesday? Are you living with the idea of eternity at mind? Let me, let me show you. John 17, 2, he goes on to say, you have already given me authority over all people so that I may give the gift of, of eternal life to all those that, that you have given me. Eternal life is this. You want to know what eternal life is? Here it is. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. So this tells us that eternity isn't found in a place or a time frame, but it's found in the persons of the Trinity, Christ the Son, God the Father, and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, which means eternity is the present. If you are a believer, your eternity is present. You belong to Christ. Which means this should change the way you walk, how you live, how you breathe, how you interact with people, knowing that your eternity is now, not just something that's in the future. Your eternity is now. It, 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 it should change the way you walk and talk. It should, it should give us boldness to face today. See, I heard this other preacher say it this way this week. is Too many of us walk, um, walk so much in fear of a big devil that our God is small. What if we start living our life as if God is big and we're fighting a little wimpy devil instead? We approach the day, we approach the day with boldness because we are living in eternity. Like we say, like this. I often say, it like this. We don't fight for victory; we fight from victory because He's already won. You with me? Read Revelation. Right at the end of the day, we win no matter how hard this life gets. But He goes on to say this. This is, goes on. This is goes on in this prayer. I have glorified you on the earth by faithfully doing everything you've told me to do. Remember, this is Jesus praying. So my Father, restore me back to the glory that we shared together when we were face-to-face before the universe was created. And this is just kind of a side note. Um, This isn't really part of the sermon, um, but I did put this in here because I just wanted to make the point because I know a lot of y'all have people who knock on your doors with a different gospel. Okay? So to all my Jehovah Witness friends out there, who believe that Jesus was just a reincarnated Michael the archangel, because they believe Jesus is just Michael the archangel reincarnated to come to earth, so they believe he was a created being. Um, even Jesus said here in his prayer that he shared or had the same glory as the Father, which means he was there before creation. So, if he was there before creation, he couldn't be a created being for creation. Okay, he must. So, if you ever want to just those people come knock on your door, they're from Kingdom Hodge it Witnesses. You can bring Jesus' prayer up here and say, "Why did Jesus pray that he that he get brought back to the same glory he had before creation?" You with me? So that's just a little side note, little nugget for you. All right. He goes on to say, "This Father, I have manifested who you really are, and I have revealed to you that uh, I have revealed you to the men and the women that you have that you gave me." They were yours and you gave them to me and they have fastened your word firmly in their hearts and now at last they know that everything I have is a gift from you and the very words you you gave, gave to me to speak I have passed on to them. They have received your word and carry them in their hearts. They are convinced that I have come from your presence and they have fully believed that you sent me to represent you. So with deep love, I love that, so with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of of the unbelieving world, but for those who belong to you, those you have given me. For all who belong to me now belong to you, and all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. The next thing he prays for is that Christ prays you have a surrendered life. He surrendered life. Romans 12, 1, our friend Paul wrote this. He said, blood friends, what should, what should be our, pur- our our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sa- sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness and experiencing all that, all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. You want to know what worship is? It's a surrendered life. It's not about raising hands. It's not about shouting. It's not about It's about living a surrendered life. Is your life surrendered to Christ? Are you living a life of surrender? Stop imitating the idols and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. And then later in 2 Corinthians, Paul would say this. He would say, now if anyone is enfolded or if anyone is is surrendered into Christ, he has become an entirely new person, which means you're going to surrendered life. You're going to live differently than what you did before and what everybody else is around you. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. So surrendered life should make you look a little different than everybody else around you. All right? The prayer, the prayer goes on to say this. Holy Father, I'm about to leave this world to return and be with you, but my disciples will, will remain here. So I ask that by the power of your name, protect each one that you have given me and watch over them so that they will be, be united as one, even as we are one. While I was, while I was with these, these that you have given me, I have kept them safe by your name that you have given me. Not one of them was lost except the one that was destined to be lost so that the scripture would be fulfilled. So he, he doesn't, did I skip a verse? No, 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 we're good. You know, we're good. All right. So right off the bat, right here, Jesus prays for our eternal security. Jesus prays for our eternal security. Jesus said, while I've been here, I've kept them close. Now I pray that you continue their, their eternal unity with us. And I am, as, it, as, as I am eternally secure to you, he prays for your eternal security. And even if we go back to John 10, we read a few weeks ago, he says, I, get, I give to them this gift of eternal life, and they will never be lost, and no one has the power to snatch them out of my hands. this? Is, are you included in nobody? Yes. Okay. My father, in John ten twenty nine, says my father who has given them to me as his gift is the is the mightiest of all, and no one has the power to snatch them from my father's hands. Paul would tell us in Romans eight thirty eight, he says, So now I live with this confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I am convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, dark and dark or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present. Or future circumstances that can weaken his love verse thirty nine says there is no there is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which he lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus the anointed one and then john six thirty seven he says this all that the, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out and in romans eleven twenty nine goes on to say For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, are irrevocable. He prays for your eternal security. John 17, 13, the prayer goes on to say this. But now I am returning to you, Father. I pray that that they will experience and enter into the joyous delight in you so that it is fulfilled in them and overflows. And this is what I was talking about a little bit earlier. Jesus delighted in glorifying the Father. And his prayer for us is that Christ Christ prayed we would delight and find joy in in glorifying the Father. But that's what this life is about. It's not about us. It's not about anyone else. It's about glorifying him and how we live, how we work wonders, and how we believe. But as we do this, as we do this, listen to what his prayer says. He says, I have given them your message that it is why the unbelieving world hates them. For their allegiance is no longer to this world because I am not of this world. I'm not asking that you remove them from the world, but I ask that you that you guard their hearts from evil. For they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Your, world, your word is truth, so make them holy by your truth. I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. He doesn't pray for you to be removed from, the, from the dark, this dark world. He doesn't pray that you separate yourself. In fact, um, in the scripture, he says to be be in the world but not of the world. So our, our job is to be in this world. But Christ pray, prays for your protection as you shine his light into the darkness. He prays for your heart to be to be protected from evil. This is, and this is why I spent years not really understanding um, this is about church culture, especially when they say stuff like, well, you don't need to go to that place anymore because they're, you know, now as you're a believer, you shouldn't show yourself there. Or, oh, you don't need to hang out with so-and-so because, you know, they do, they do wrong. No our, no, our job is to go into those environments, go to those dark places in the world, in those dark places in people's life and shine a light. Like, our job is to get, dark, uh, get into darkness and say, let there be light, not to separate ourselves from that. That's why our big push always is not, to, it's not about Sunday mornings. It's about being the church, being the light where we live, work, and play. Like what you do on Monday through Friday is more important than what we do here on Sunday mornings. This is just a place where we come and celebrate. But what we do Monday through Saturday is more important. How we shine our light in the darkest of places. That is what's most important. But the prayer goes on and says this. And now I, I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. By your truth. Not your truth, but his truth. Right, right here, Christ prays for your holiness. He could care less about your happiness, honestly. He cares about your holiness. 1 Peter 1.14 says this, As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For Scripture says, you are to be holy because I am holy. He's not calling you to be happy. He's calling you to be holy. And on our pursuit of holiness, we'll be filled with joy. For you know that your lives, since you call on him as your heavenly father, the impartial judge who judges according to each one's works, live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all for the the empty the empty and futile way of life, handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ who like a spotless lamb, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. That's why we pursue holiness, because he laid his life down for us. But the prayer goes on to say this. He says, and I ask not only for these disciples, talking about the 12 that he had, well, at that point 11, that he had around them because Judas, remember, has ran off to betray him, but also for those who will one day believe in me through their message. He's praying for you. We pray for you. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity, and the and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you have that they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Christ prayed for our unity with each other and our unity with the Godhead. Christ prayed. For our unity with each other and our unity with the Godhead. Maybe the unbelieving world doesn't believe because we fight so much so much amongst each other. We fight over what color the carpet should be and what kind of toilet paper we should buy. You with me? We fight over why aren't we doing this ministry? Why aren't people doing this? Why aren't like why aren't you doing those things if you're so passionate about it? Right? We fight over some of the most silliest things. And we look so much like the rest of the world, the church does. Maybe the unbelieving world doesn't believe because we fight so much amongst each other. It's this idea of there's some close-hand things that we have to agree on. It's these open-hand issues that get us in trouble, that we can talk about, we can debate, we can steady with each other but these things shouldn't separate us over here as long as we believe these things here's the thing about unity is unity doesn't mean uniformity it doesn't mean you have to be exactly like me because if I told you you had to be exactly like me that would be the definition of a cult right unity doesn't mean uniformity God created you uniquely you to feel what uh, feel what is lacking in me my weaknesses because where you are strong I am weak and where I'm strong maybe you're weak that's the great thing about the body of Christ is that we that we all come together with our strengths and our weaknesses and we help each other God created you uniquely you to fill up what is lacking in me for one purpose and that is the lifting up of the Father the prayer goes on to say this he says father i ask that you that you allow everyone that you have given to me to given to me to be with me where i am Then they will see my full glory the very splendor you have placed upon me because you have loved me even before the beginning of time you are my right, my righteous father but the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that i know you and all, the, all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me. I have revealed to them who you are and I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that, that you have for me. For your love will now live in them even as I live in them. That's what Jesus prayed for you. Now I'm going to keep reading. Jesus, you going to listen listen to these words. After Jesus finished his prayer, he left with his disciples and went across the Kidron Valley to a place where where there was a garden. Judas the traitor knew where where this place was, for Jesus had gone there often with his disciples. The Pharisees and the leading priests had given Judas a large detachment of Roman soldiers and temple police to to seize Jesus. Judas guided them to the Judas guided them to the garden all of them carrying torches and lanterns and armed with swords and spears. Jesus knowing full well well what was about to happen went out to the garden entrance to meet them like that amazes me like he knew his time was coming and he went to meet meet his captors at the gate Jesus knowing full well what was was about to happen went out to the garden entrance to meet them stepping forward he asked who are you looking for and they said, Jesus of Nazareth. So they replied, now, Judas the traitor was among them. And listen, to, listen to this next part. Listen to this next part. He replied, I am he. And at the moment Jesus spoke those words, I am he, the mob fell backward to the ground. The mob fell backward to the ground. Like they, they literally just fell back. Because the words of Jesus can overcome any enemy that we have in our life. So once more Jesus asked them Who are you looking for? And as, as they stood up they answered Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus replied I told you that I am the one you're looking for so if you want me let these men go home. And he said this to fulfill the prophecy he had spoken Father not one of these you have given me has been lost. Suddenly Peter took out his sword and struck the high priest's servant slashing off his right ear. The servant's name was uh, Malchus. Jesus ordered Peter, "Put your sword away. Do you really think I will avoid the suffering which my Father has assigned to me? Do you really think what you're doing right now is going to keep me from going to the cross to save the world?" If you look at another gospel, it actually says that Jesus picks up the ear and places it back on 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 the soldier's head. So then the soldiers soldiers and their and their captain along with the jewish officers seized jesus and tied him up they took him first to an- an- ananias as as he was as he was the father-in-law of caiaphas here's an interesting fact there's two high priests at this point which actually broke the jewish law so both of these guys are labeled high priests, but there's only supposed to be one and it's supposed to be caiaphas that's a whole other story the high it's caiaphas the high priest of that year caiaphas was the one who had persuaded the jewish leaders that it would be better off to have one person die for the sake of the people. And Peter and another disciple, other disciples followed along behind them as they took Jesus into the courtyard of, of Ananias, Isis palace. Since the other disciple was well known to the high priest, he entered in. But Peter was left standing outside by the gate. The other disciple came back, came back out to the servant, servant girl who, had, who had, was guarding the gate and convinced her to allow Peter inside. As, as he passed inside, the young servant girl guarding the gate to, took a look at Peter and said to, said to him, "Aren't you one of his disciples?" And he denied it saying, "No, I am not." Now because it was cold and cold, the soldiers and guards made a charcoal fire and were standing around it to keep him warm. So Peter, Peter huddled huddled huddle, huddle there with them around the fire. The high priest interrogated Jesus concerning his disciples and his teachings. And Jesus answered, Ananias, at all times I have taught openly in public and in the synagogue, in the temple courts and wherever the people assemble. Why would you ask me for evidence to to condemn me? Ask those who have heard what what I've taught. They can tell you. Just then, one of the guards standing near Jesus punched him in the face with his fist and said, how dare you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus replied, if my words are evil, then prove it. But if I haven't broken any laws, then why would you hit me? And I sent Jesus still tied up across the way to the high priest Caiaphas. Meanwhile, Peter was, Peter was still standing in the courtyard by the fire. And one of the guards standing there said to him, Aren't you one of his disciples? I know you, I know you are. And Peter swore and said, I am not his disciple. But one of the servants of the high priest and, and relative uh, and relative to the man who, whose ear Peter had cut off looked at him and said, wait, didn't I see you there in the garden with Jesus? And then Peter denied it the third time and said no. And at that very moment, same moment, a rooster crowed nearby. Well, feeling what Jesus said when they were eating the last supper. Before dawn, they took Jesus from from his trunk. Uh, from his trial before Caiaphas to the Roman governor's palace. Now the Jews refused to go into the Roman governor's residence to avoid ceremonial defilement before eating the Passover meal. So Pilate came out where they waited and asked, asked them pointedly, tell me what exactly is the accusation that you bring against this man? What has he done? And he answered, we wouldn't be coming here to hand over this criminal this criminal to you if he wasn't guilty of some wrongdoing and Pilate said very well then you take him yourselves and go pass judgment on him according to your Jewish laws but the Jewish leaders complained and said we don't have legal authority to put anyone to death you should have him crucified this was to fulfill the words of Jesus when he predicted the manner of death that he would die upon hearing this Pilate went back inside his palace and summoned Jesus Looking him over, Pilate asked him, Are you really the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, Are you asking because you really want to know? Or are you only asking because others have said it about me? And Pilate responded, Only a Jew would care about this. Do I look like a Jew? It's your own people and your religious leaders that have handed you over to me. So tell me, Jesus, what have you done wrong? Jesus looked at Pilate and said, The the royal power of my kingdom realm does not come from this world. If it did, then my followers would be fighting to the end to defend me from the Jewish leaders. My kingdom realm authority is not from this realm. Then Pilate responded, Oh, so then you are a king. You are right, Jesus said. I was born a king, and I have come into this world to prove what truth really is. And everyone who loves the truth will receive my words. Pilate looked at Jesus and said What is truth? A silence filled the room Pilate went back out to where The Jewish leaders were, were waiting And said to them He's not guilty I couldn't even find One fault with him Now now, do, now you do know that we have a custom I release one prisoner Every year at Passover Shall I release your king Uh, So release your king, the king of the Jews and they shouted out over they shouted out over and over no, not him give us Barabbas we got time, I'm going to keep going I didn't put this in here but that's fine chapter 19, then Pilate ordered Jesus to be brutally beaten with a whip of leather straps embedded with metal a the the soldier also wove thorn branches into, the, into a crown and set it on his head and placed a purple robe over his shoulders. Then one by one they came in front of him to mock him by saying, Hail to the king of the Jews. And one after the other they repeatedly punched him in the face. Once more Pilate went out and said to the Jewish officials, I will bring him out once more so that you know that I have found nothing wrong with him. So when Jesus emerged bleeding wearing a purple robe And a crown of thorns on his head, Pilate said to them, look at him, he is your man. And no sooner did the high priest and the temple guard see Jesus, that they all shouted in a frenzy, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate replied, you take him then and nail him to the cross yourself. I told you he's not guilty. I find no reason to condemn him. And the Jewish leader shouted back, but we have the law. And according to our law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. Pilate was greatly alarmed when he heard that Jesus claimed to be the son of God so he took Jesus back inside and said to them where have you come from but once again silence filled the room perplexed Pilate said are you going to play play deaf don't you know that I have the power to grant you your freedom or to nail you to a tree and I love Jesus' answer here He said, Jesus answered 'You, you would have no power over me at all unless it was given to you from above this is why no one could the, this is why the one who betrayed me is guilty of even greater sin from then on Pilate tried to find a way out of the situation and to get him free but the Jewish authorities shouted shouted him down if you let this man go you're no friend of Caesar anyone who declares him as himself, himself a king is an enemy to the emperor so when Pilate heard this threat he, he relented and had Jesus who was torn and bleeding brought outside then he went up to the elevated stone platform And took his seat on the judgment bench, which in Aramaic is called Gabbatha, or the bench. And it, and it was now almost noon, and it was the same day that they were, they were, were preparing to slay the Passover lamb. Isn't it funny, isn't it funny that the very moment that in the, in the temple, as they're about, as they're slaughtering lambs for sin, Jesus is about to go to the cross. Then Pilate said to the Jewish officials, look, here is your king. But they screamed out, Take him away, take him away and crucify him. And Pilate replied, Shall I nail your king to a cross? And the high priest answered, We have no other king but Caesar. Huh. Just a couple of weeks ago they told Jesus that their king was God the Father. How quickly tables turned, right? Then Pilate handed Jesus over to them so the soldiers seized him and took him away to be crucified. Jesus carried his own cross out to the city to a place called the Skull, which in Aramaic is Golgotha. And there they nailed him to the cross. He was crucified along with two other ones on each side, with Jesus in in the middle. Pilate had them post a sign over the cross, which was written in three languages, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. And many other people in Jerusalem read the sign, for he was crucified near the city. The sign stated, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And here's an interesting fact it's written in all those languages, right? Aramaic, Latin, Greek. If you look at the first letter of all those words, it's YH. It's YHWH. So the very sign that above his head proclaimed him to be God. <laughs> Craziness. The chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, You must change the sign. Don't let it say King of the Jews, but rather he claimed to be the King of the Jews. And Pilate responded, What, have I, what I have written will remain. Now, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they divided up his clothes into, into four shares, one for each of them. But his tunic was seamless, woven from the top to the bottom as a single garment. So the soldiers said to each other, Don't tear it. Let's throw the dice to see who gets it. The soldiers did all this not knowing they fulfilled the scripture that says, They divided my garments among them and gambled for my clothing. Mary, Jesus' mother, was standing next to, the, next to his cross along with Mary's sister, Mary, uh, sister Mary, the wife of, of Clevis, and Mary Magdalene. So when Jesus looked down and saw the disciples he loved, standing with her, he said, Mother, so while Jesus was standing on the cross, his thought wasn't on his pain but on his mama. Mother, look, John will be, your son, will be a son to you. Then he said to John, Look, she will be a mother to you. From, the, from that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. So look, while he's on the cross, he thought of his mom. How is she going to be taken care of the rest of her living days? He, his mind wasn't on his own welfare, but on ours. Jesus knew that his mission was accomplished. And, and to fulfill the scripture, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting nearby. So they soaked a sponge with it and put it, put it, put it on a stalk of, of hyssop and raised it to his lips. When he had, when he had sipped the sour wine, he said, it is finished, Tetelestai, which means it's complete. There's nothing else needed for the forgiveness of sin. He said, it is finished, my bride. And he bowed his head and surrendered his spirit to God. The Jewish leaders did did not want the body of the victims to remain on the cross to the next day since it was a day of preparation for for, for a very important Sabbath. So they asked Pilate's permission to have the victims' legs broken to hasten their death and their bodies taken down before the sunset. So the soldiers broke the legs of the two men who were nailed there. But when they came to Jesus, they realized that he had already died. So they decided not to break his legs. But one of the soldiers took a spear and pierced Jesus' side uh, side, and blood and water gushed out. I, John, do testify to to the certainty of what took place. And I write this truth so that you might also believe. For all these things happened to fulfill the prophecies of the scriptures. No one, No one of his bones will be broken, and they will gaze on the one they have pierced. After this, Joseph from the city of Ramal, who was a secret disciple of Jesus for fear of the Jewish authorities, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus. So Pilate granted him permission to remove the body from the cross. Now Nicodemus, who had once come to Jesus privately at night, accompanied Joseph, and together they carried a significant amount of myrrh and alloys to the cross. They took, they, then they took Jesus' body and wrapped it in, 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 in strips of linen with the embalming spices according to the Jewish burial custom. Near the place where Jesus was crucified was a garden. And in the garden there was a new tomb that no one had yet been laid to rest. And because the Sabbath was approaching and the tomb was nearby, that's where they laid the body of Jesus. I'll stop there. We'll talk about the next part next week but your defense the only way you're going to survive this world is believing it now believing that he laid his life that that was your sacrifice that his sacrifice made you whole it's the only way you can survive this evil world Someone who did, didn't deserve it. In fact, if you knew half of my story, you'd be like, I can't believe that dude's standing on the stage right now. He literally laid his life down for me. He laid his life down for you as a living sacrifice so that you can be a living sacrifice protected in this world against the evil one. Are you living with eternity in mind? Are you living at a. At a your life in a way that's pleasing to him are you living your life in a way are you living your life in a way that's pleasing to him are you approaching him boldly because the reason he laid down his life the reason he's at this point in the story laying in a tomb is so that you can approach the throne boldly One, 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 uh once, one of the Gospels tells us that at the moment that Jesus took his last breath, that the very, the very curtain that separated the holiness of holies from the rest of the world was split in two from the top to the bottom, giving us access to the throne. You have access to the Father. this morning. So we're going to sing one more song. It's really a song that's celebrating what Jesus is to us it may also be a reflection it may also be a reflection that you look back on and you, set, you look back on where he, he's brought you from and where he's brought you to and we celebrate it we celebrate about him being our defense because so we couldn't do it in and of ourselves let's pray thank God I want to thank you so much For being a God that not only listens to our prayers, not only listens to our prayers, but you pray for our behalf, and you go even far, far above praying.